ministry that uh, is about discipling people, seeing them grow and effectively function out of the freedom that can be found in Jesus. Uh, Ray has an incredible uh, experience in pastoring, uh, in counselling, in theological study and Bible teaching. It's been absolutely amazing what we've been able to sit under this week. Dr. Ray is a highly sought after uh, speaker and we're very blessed to have him. First time I heard him was on our national stage at our national conference uh, in Queensland and I was absolutely blessed. Uh, So could we please uh, give a warm welcome to Dr. Ray as he comes to bring the word this morning. of the morning to you. Do we need these spotlights as far up as that for any reason? No. Could we take them down? I don't like to be a star. (laughs) I like to see you. I like to know that I'm preaching to people. It's very important. Man, I've been having an incredibly wonderful time here. And uh, thank you, Pastor Charles and April, and such an incredible blessing to be with you. And uh, uh, John and Jen, thank you so much for the blessing you've been. Pastor Nick, uh, that we, uh, he's had to be away today, but uh, he was hoping that he'd be able to be here. But the great fellowship that I've had, and the different people that's looked after me, I think it was it's a Stan does the cooking yesterday. Was it Stan that did the cook? Dan. Dan, huh? He did a good job, didn't he? Amen. And, and the, the porridge and the berries. I'm really a porridge berry person, so that really works well. Amen. I, I live in a very special diet, and uh, I do do exercise. I'm not that sure when uh, Jordan says, when I get to his age. <laughs> but I'm sitting there thinking, the ancient of days. He shut me down yesterday. He took the controls off me, and he said, you're not allowed to use these. And, and I'm, I'm going to control you. Boy, I don't like that. It's, it's, it's trying to be controlled. My wife has been trying to do that for a long time. It's, it's, uh, we've been married this year 51 years. And, uh, and uh, I married her when she was 17. It's very, very important to get them young, and then you can train them properly. It is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Later on, they get too independent. So... <laughs> so it's a, it's a good idea. But I say these things because she's not here. <laughs> Amen. Um, all right. Now, uh, we, we, we're going to try and, and, and keep this here within the context. And uh, uh, what we have, Nat, is, is what we're going to do is, is we're going to just use the once. I can even see you, but you're there, I can tell. <laughs> you... you, you we're going to use one slide only from there because we have changed direction. Because during the service, I felt the Holy Spirit leading me in a different direction. So we have just changed it. So if you have created this problem, if it doesn't go down right, it's your fault. Because I was all tuned up. Why did I spend so much time preparing and then change it in a meeting? I could have been watching the football. 
but <laughs> I do. So what I want to talk about this morning is, is, is very different to what I had planned to do and expressed yesterday that I would do. But I want to be open to the Holy Spirit because he knows your need. He knows what we need. Amen? Amen. And what a great thing it is in, the, in our worship and praise this morning. It has just been uh, it's just so good. I love the spirit in the place, and I have so enjoyed the fellowship, and it has been incredibly great. Praise God. And where I'm at today, and wherever that is, uh, at whatever age I am, one of the things that I know, Paul says that I preach with all the energy that Christ gives me. Amen. Amen. So it's not just a personality energy, it's an energy that comes from the Lord. Amen. And I'm here this morning because His grace and His mercy. Amen. So what I want to talk about then, I want to talk about living positively in this negative world. It's a pretty negative world, is it not? We can nearly do without our TVs. Uh, because we really don't need a lot of that information that's coming feeding into our minds and into our hearts uh, indeed. Or maybe you can uh, title it another way and say, what do you do with the negatives of your life? What do you actually do? There's a lot of negatives in life. What do you really do with them? So I want to do that. So let's just look at that one ladder. We'll just put one up and have a little look and, and then, uh, uh, and then uh, this. If our problem is greater than our belief system, we have a crisis. You know, sometimes people live from crisis to crisis. And they're always in a crisis. We always can seem to be in a crisis. There's always something else happening. But that's what happens in life. It just happens. Things happen. If our belief system is equal to our problem, then we will struggle. How many times do we not struggle? But if our belief system is greater than our problem, we will enter into rest. There is a rest for the people of God. The ability to be able to rest. Amen. I travel a lot. I do a lot of travel. And I talk a lot about rest. And people say to me, but how can you talk about rest when you're constantly on the go and constantly doing stuff and constantly moving? Uh, and I also have a local practice to which I work from when I'm home. And they say, why? And I just tell them this, because I carry my rest with me. Rest is not an external thing. Rest is an internal thing. Amen. That I can live at rest because of one of the greatest things is he does all the work. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's because he gets all the glory. It's not about Ray. I mentioned during this week, like John the Baptist, I am not the man, he's the man. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This old lady, uh, she, uh, she did uh, not have very much goods in worldly sense. She wasn't uh, very well off at all. And she lived a very meager rations. And she lived next door to an atheist, but she loved the Lord. And she was rich in faith. And she was rich in the Lord. And she just loved the Lord. And she would get around in her house, windows open, praising the Lord. The atheist heard her, and he said, Oh, that stupid old goat. There is no God. So he used to get onto her and really challenge her, have a go at her all the time. But she would go right on praising the Lord. And regardless of what he'd say, she'd be praising the Lord. One day she's out of groceries and she has got nothing to eat. And so she's walking around the house, hands in the air. Thank you, Father, that you are my provision. Thank you, Father, you said you'd meet all my needs. Thank you, Father, I know you'll look after me. And the atheist heard her. He said, I'll fix the old goat. 
And so he went down to the supermarket and he bought a big bag, a box of groceries with everything in it. And then he came and he put it on our front doorstep, rang the bell and hopped behind a little hedge to watch her when she'd come out. So when she came out and opened the door and she saw this whole basket of groceries and all goodies, she threw her hands up and started praising the Lord, praising the Lord. And so he hopped out from behind the hedge. And he said, ha, 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 gotcha. He says, I got you. He says, God didn't buy the groceries. He said, I bought the groceries. And with that, she took off past him down the street. Hands in the air, praising the Lord, and he's after her. He said, what is wrong with you? He said, I told you, you are a silly old goat. You're that stupid. He said, I just told you that I bought the groceries. And she said, oh, I know. I know what you said. Oh, I know what you said. She said, I know. She said, I knew that God would always get me the groceries. I just never knew he would send the devil to buy them. positively in a negative world. I've done a lot of work in Africa, and I know the people here have been in Africa. One of the things that I found in Africa was that in this particular village, the, uh, the food is unpalatable. The people even living there can't eat the food. But what they do, and you could find this even in your, in your Google app to find this berry, but what they do is they grow a particular little berry. And this little berry is really, really sweet. So when they go to eat their unpalatable food, what they do is they first put in the sweet little berry in the side of their mouth. And then they eat their food. And the food takes on the flavor of the sweet berry. And everything that was unpalatable now becomes palatable. They are now able to eat it. And what I'm going to say to you this morning as I want to find out that when you leave this meeting, what berry do you have in your mouth? In an unpalatable world, I need a berry. I really do. And I need to have a berry in my mouth. I'm going to share my berry with you, but you can get your own. But I'm going to tell you my berry, because I'll tell you, we had a grandson, beautiful little guy that was very, very close uh, uh, to my wife, Loved her, used to stay with her all the time. And he had come up and he would write me, and he would write an email to me wherever I was in the world, and he would write and he said, Hey, Pop, Pop, he said, uh, I'm sleeping on your side of the bed. Hey, 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 hey. And I'd write down and write back to him, and I'd say, Tom, you're the only one that's allowed to sleep on my side of the bed. Hey, 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 hey. But he would go there when I would be away, he'd go there, stay with her, sleep in the bed. He loved her. At 12 years of age, uh, Tom got leukemia, and we were really believing for God to heal him because he, he loved Jesus with all his heart. And in fact, when he was in hospital, he would only want to wear T-shirts that had NWC, big letters all along, NWC. And he'd witnessed from that T-shirt, not without Christ, not without Christ. And he would do that. There's a lot of spin-off to which I don't have time to tell you this morning. But he went, he went to be with the Lord, and, and he didn't have the healing on this side. And he went to be with the Lord at 12 years of age. Let me tell you something. Naturally, that's completely and totally unpalatable. I did the funeral that lasted for two hours, and that won't surprise you when you finally find you're still here at 
12.30 and 1 o'clock. But that won't surprise you. But the fact is, I did it in the tears pouring down my face. It's this little coffin. Somebody that should never have been gone before their grandparents. And now, here he is lying in this little coffin. But I'm telling you something. It was only this berry that I've got in my mouth that was able to take something incredibly unpalatable to make it palatable so that I could make sense in some way of what happened to that beautiful boy. And this morning we lose loved ones because that's what the world is like. And we lose friends and we lose family and we have a lot of adverse circumstances and naturally and humanly there's a lot of things that's very negative that takes place that we don't handle well humanly. And what I want this morning is that I want you to have a berry in your mouth. And in that berry, when I spoke at, at that funeral and spoke for a while, because we saw God do stuff at that funeral, which was amazing. Uh, and I know uh, that I'd like to share some of the stuff, but, we, but obviously we don't have the time. It's just Sunday morning. And it's a very, very important. So let me tell you my berry. My berry... Because your berry is your belief system. What do you believe in a moment of crisis? What do you believe when you're struggling with something? What do you believe? Because what you believe rules you. We do not rule our believing. Our believing rules us. I am no higher than what I believe. Believing determines the color of my day. Determines, settles destiny. What do you believe? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about the devil? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about the world? What do you believe? What you believe this morning is absolutely vital because if your belief system is lesser than your problem, you will be in constant crisis. The most important thing is that I have a belief system that can bring me to a place of rest, not a place of denial, not a place wherever I'm trying to make excuses or hide away from it or try to prop God up and help him out, but really a belief system that can be able to handle somebody like uh, my grandson Tom, one of the many things in life that happens to us. Here's my berry. Romans 11:36. You can use it if you want, but there's a lot of others. Romans 11:36 says this: God is in all and through all and to all, and because of him, all things exist. I'm Irish if you didn't know. And I don't know if anybody needs to come and interpret for me. I'm Irish, so I'm not very smart. But I'll tell you something, I can spell all. A L I'm not that old, Jordan, no. L. God, now here's how that works. God is in all and through all and to all. Nothing comes except it comes through the hands of a loving Heavenly Father. It comes through me for the purpose of going back to Him that He will be glorified in all things. Amen. Now that's my berry. You need to have your berry because in this unpalatable world, the only thing that can make things palatable for me is that I have a berry in my mouth that takes on the flavor of what God says and what God does and how God does it. And that's what kept me going. And I'll tell you, out of that funeral, you should hear some of the things that took place and just the miracles that happened. And you know what? I looked at that and thought, 
There's all these miracles happening to somebody else and my son's still in this, grandson's still in this coffin. Why was that not a miracle? But see, I didn't have any whys. Because if you get the right berry in your mouth, you kill the whys. Because there's no answer to your world whys. There's no answer to your whys. You've tried it. How many people here have said why? How many? Yeah, yeah, there's half a dozen honest people. <laughs> of course we say that. Yes, but we ask why. Why? Why? There, but you found out there was no answer to your why. Because in the unpalatable world, you need to have a berry in your mouth. Amen. Jesus said one of his very last words. Now, here's something. <laughs> Famous people die, and they always record their last words. Well, before Jesus went, here's one of his last words. Not that inspiring, I might say. He said, in the world, you'll have trouble. Now, there's a good sentence to finish with. Was he right? Oh, <laughs> yes. But in me, you'll have peace. In a very chaotic world, you and I have the miracle today of the peace of God that passes all human understanding. Yeah. Amen. You know, there's a passage of Scripture down here. Uh, that I, I'll, I'll try. Because God is so positive that he moves along every negative line and causes it to redound for his glory. Listen to this. In, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it starts off like this, and it says, And it happened after this. Do you know in today's terms what that would be mean? It happened after this. It never rains, but it pours. Have you ever noticed that? When things start going wrong, how much they accelerate. Things just keep going wrong. How does that go wrong for me? doesn't go wrong for them. Oh, it's all right for people like Ray up there preaching. doesn't go wrong for him. Well, you don't live with me. You don't know. That's what life is like. And it happened after this. That the people of Moab with the people of Ammon, Ammon and others with them beside the uh, Amorites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And there there are Hazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat did what every great man of God does, he feared. And it says, And Jehoshaphat feared. You know that Jehoshaphat had just come back from fighting with old Ahab who had tried to deceive him up in Ramoth Gilead with the Syrians. And he was battle weary. But he was an expert in battle. He was a battle strategist. He was one of the best. That's why Ahab wanted Jehoshaphat with him. Because he was one of the very best in war. And they had beaten the Syrians in Ramoth Gilead. And he had come back and he's trying to relax. He's just trying to have some time out. He's trying to have some downtime. And he comes back. And the next thing, they come to him and they said, Oh, we have got some news for you. There's a coalition of forces coming against you. Boy, I tell you what, if you're married, if there's anything can happen, there's a coalition of forces. Have you ever noticed the washing machine goes? The toaster blows up. The dishwasher won't work. Why does, why, it's Murphy's Law. Things just happen in threes. It just keeps happening in threes. Not only is he fighting one enemy, now he's got three people coming against him. So now listen to, listen to what he has to say. This is this incredible man who knows all about battles, and he says, O oh God, in verse, in verse 6, he says, O oh God of our fathers, are you not God of heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? He brings out a real confession about God. And he's telling God something that God already knows, but he's trying to renew his mind. 
In verse 12, he says, O our God, will you not judge them, for we have no... Oh boy, this is really something. Will you not judge them, for we have no power against this multitude that's coming against us, and we don't know what to do. Tell me this this morning. How many people like to be in control? Oh, oh man, I tell you, it's a horrible... Especially if you know what you're doing, and then you're out of control. There's nothing worse than being out of control. I like to know that I got the answers. I like to know what I'm doing. But let me tell you this. As soon as you think you've got it together, as soon as you think you can handle a situation, as soon as you think you're smart enough to work with it, as soon as you think you're gifted enough, as soon as you think so, God will expand your situation beyond your ability to control it. He won't let you stay in control. Do you know there's nothing feels worse than the helplessness of being out of control, not knowing what to do. And you know, sometimes we feel that. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Have you been there? I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. I wish I knew what to do. And this man, one of the smartest battle strategists, and he doesn't know what to do. But you know what? Even though he said, I don't know what to do, it didn't mean he didn't do anything. But I'll tell you, for us, and many times, he didn't know what to do, but it didn't mean he didn't do anything. He says, but my eyes are upon you. You know, there's some times that we don't have any other chance. We don't have anything else to do. We just don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle it, how to work with it, how to deal with it. We don't know where the answer's going to come from. We don't know where the money's going to come from. We don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? The only thing I could do at that moment is have a belief system that helps me to live in a rest and let my eyes be upon him. And just let my eyes be upon him. Amen? Amen. You know, you can't have... The world's full of negatives. The world works in a positive, negative thing. You can't have anything other than that. But you know, I was over the... Uh, I was over home in Ireland, grew up in a very dysfunctional home, uh, alcoholic, abusive father, who later in life uh, had an amazing, miraculous conversion. Uh, but he was abusive and alcoholic, and I grew up in the home, and so we didn't have a lot. We came out of the war, and we didn't have a lot uh, to work with. Uh, and and uh, one time I was home. My dad had now passed on, elderly, and my mum was still alive. And mum said to me, she said, would you like a photo of yourself when you were little? Well, I didn't have any photos. It's not like now. My goodness me. Uh, grandkids, every move they make, every spoon they pick up, every bite they take, everything they do, is all photographed. I mean, I <laughs> click, 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 click. They have everybody's taking photos of them. Well, I didn't have any of those kind of photos. And mum comes out and she gives me these two photos. And I have this photo of myself, just a little school-type photo. And, 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 I, and she says, would you like that? And I said, sure, I'd like that. I don't have any photos of myself. I'd like to know what I looked like when I was a kid. So she gives me the photo. It's a little bit of a turned up at the end, a little gone a little bit yellowish and so on. And I said, oh, that's so good. So then I went down into the city and I thought, oh, I, I want to get some of these, blow them up six before, have a nice photo or two, put it around the grandkids can see and all that stuff, you know, I'll have a thing. And so I went down into the photographic shop. I talked to the girl behind the counter and I said to her, well, could, could you please get me a few copies? I'll get half a dozen so I can share them around and I'll get them. Could you do that? And she said, sure. She said, sir, she said, would you give me your negative? I said, I don't have a negative. She said, but I need your negative. I said, but I don't have a negative. So we did that for a while, and I certainly wasn't winning. <laughs> Nothing was going to change there. And then she looked at me, and I, I was getting a little bit exasperated. 
I said, listen to this technology and digital cameras and all the stuff. You're telling me you can't get me a picture without a negative? Oh, she said, yes, we can, sir. We can do that, absolutely. And then she told me something that Irish people don't like. She looked at me and she said to me, sir, I can do them for you, absolutely. She said, but it's going to cost you a whole lot more. Oh, no. I don't want that. But here's something she said, and she said to me, here's the deal, though. Without the negative, you're never going to be having a successful positive. And I walked out of that shot with revelation. That's what you're hearing now. I walked out of that shot with revelation. I came out of there realizing that we have compla we complain about our negatives. We, we refuse our negatives. We come to the prayer line to get rid of our negatives. We don't want our negatives. And we would like to just get out and we whinge and we complain. Listen, we should never complain about the negatives in our life. We should never complain about them. You need your negatives. Because if you don't have your negatives, the cost is going to be greater, and you're never going to get a successful positive. Let me tell you, a lot of times we fail and we have negative failure. But I want to tell you something. Our failure is our fertilizer for our future success. We complain and we murmur and we get disgusted ourselves and upset with ourselves. That's why I love that song this morning. Hey, let that past disappear. Let that past go. It's gone. And we move forward. Amen. Because your failure has actually been fertilizer to succeed something wonderful in your life, to bring something great out in your life. Glory to God. Nothing in that is wasted because God has been in that all the time. Isn't that so wonderful? You know, don't ask God to change your circumstances. He sent your circumstances to change you. Amen. You know, people say, people say to you, oh, <laughs> Oh, well, brother, you know, sister, well, you know, life is how you make it. Oh, rubbish. I'll tell you what, if life was how I made it, the first thing I would do was change a whole lot of airline things. There'd be the, the problems that I have with airlines and all the different things. Man, I would change it. If I could make life, I would change it. I sure would. Let me tell you something. Life is never how you make it. Life is how you take it. When you wake up in the morning, you didn't start life off. It was already going. And life was waiting for you to wake up. And life comes to us. And situations come to us. Life is how you take it. Do you know there's two ways in which you can handle life? You can react to it, and many people do. They react to the situation. They react to the death. I know people that had loved ones die on them, and they have just become hard and bitter, turned away from God, got resentful, and they have completely reacted to it. And they couldn't change it, but their whole lives became a mess, and they have never lived with any joy or any happiness or any freedom. But then you can do other something else. Rather than react to it, you can respond to it. It's the same sun that melts the ice that hardens the clay. And you can respond to it. And when we respond to it with a berry in our mouth, then the roots of our life go down into the river of the grace of God. 
and they become productive and they shoot up a tree that brings forth fruit for others, that brings shade for others, that helps other people in the pilgrimage. And I want to live as long as I possibly can, as long as God has me on this planet with all the passion that he can put in my heart, that I want to help people to find their productivity, to find their potential, to be the best that they can be in God and to be who all they can be. Amen. And that life will hit you and life will hurt you and life will affect you and life will drive at you and life will have some impact on you. But let me tell you this morning, you can respond in the berry in your mouth and you can be full of faith and power and joy and glory. Amen. Regardless of your age. You want to be like me? Oh, God help you. <laughs> I would encourage you to be more like Jesus. If, if, but if you want to be having the passion I have, <clears throat> you're going to take a lot of hits. I didn't get here floating on a magic carpet. And when I'm talking to you this morning, this is not a theory. This has been forged out in the anvil of life. And my dear friend, you'll get a few hits. So if you want the passion and the energy, handle the hits by having a real rest in him and finding him and keep that berry. Amen? Amen. So when it hits you next time, you think, oh, no, I thought I was going so well. I thought it was such a man of faith. Well, you'll find all that out as you go along. Great ministry comes out of great healing. The greatest ministry developed in your negatives, not your positives. Amen. Romans 8, 28. All things. Help me. All things. You know what? People use that like a band-aid. You stick it on. It's only cosmetic. You stick it on and hope it works out. No, no. All things work together for good as God interprets good. We do not have the ability to know good and evil. Therefore, our negatives, sometimes we call them bad, when in God's sight, they're really good. All things work together for good. I want you to stop with me one moment. I want you to focus on my little pencils that John was very willing to go get me this morning. And I want you to think about your life and what's going on in your life. And now all things. So let's look at some things. You put your own little thing together here, but some things. Oh, we went to church this morning, and it was so, so good. We rejoiced, and we prayed. Oh, so good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then we got home. Why did I not stay in church? It was so good there. Exactly. Kids are flaming kids. <laughs> Why did you have to break the thing? You have wrecked it, and I was going to watch the football. It's bad. Now it's going to cost me. <laughs> I got to get a repair man in. Oh no, it's so bad. And then I, I woke up next morning, and oh no, I can't believe it. There was a check in the mail. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Jesus is so good. Oh, dear. I stuffed up. 
Oh, I can't believe I thought I was way beyond that sin. I didn't think I'd stuff it up like that. Oh, but say it, say it a little bit. And then somebody sent me a word of encouragement in the mail and said, let the past go, it's all over. Oh, hallelujah. That's why the Bible just calls them things. Because you could never have detailed them because there's too many things. But what he doesn't do is take this and yay, and take this and divide it like we do. He doesn't compartmentalize our lives. He just takes all things. And he walks them together for good. He takes what we see as bad or ugly or sinful or horrible, no matter what it is, and no matter what it is going on in your life, there is no qualifications to it. No matter what it is, it's things. Things! Things! Do you have things happening in your life? Oh, there's that many things. But he doesn't separate them. He pulls them all together to work together for good. Does that bless you? Now, I'm going to tell you a little story, and I've got to get out of here because I'm sure my time's exhausting, and I hate looking at me. Watch, because it condemns me. I, I, are you doing all right? I'll tell you a story, and then I'll get out of here. I want you to see this wonderful preacher that you're talking to you now to tell you what that's like. I was in, uh, I was in L.A., California, and uh, I had been doing a preaching circuit and got into... Los Angeles, and then my wife was meeting me, and she was coming to meet me, and then we were going to go from there, we were going to do uh, Disneyland, and then we were going to do, uh, uh, we were then going to go to Hawaii, and meet another pastor and his wife, and, and, uh, and so we were going to have some time together, and uh, oh, it was so lovely at the end of the thing. So anyhow, I had to still finish some preaching down in San Diego, so I got in, and we were staying, in the, and any of you that have been over there in Disneyland, you know right down one side there, uh, they, if you, that's if you're in the cheap side of all this, you're looking at the car park, and, and, and that's where we were. And mind you, you may be jealous of this, but we had three nights in Anaheim for a dollar a night. Mm-hmm. That, that's very compatible with my Irish culture. <laughs> and we had five nights in Hawaii a dollar a night. It's a special. That's why we went. (laughs) Amen. We get there. It's raining. It's cold. Even though it's California, it was cold. So we had it, but it rained the most time, all day, every day, it nearly rained, but we had the ball. My wife and I had the best time. We just had a great time. We did so many things, read all sorts of rides, did all sorts of stuff, and enjoyed it. And, and so then, anyhow, I'm, I'm doing good. And then it came and we had to be out by 6 o'clock and there's a young fella going to pick us up in his car to take us down to preach and minister down in San Diego before we go to Hawaii. So <clears throat> we packed up because after 6 o'clock, it jumped from a dollar a night to beyond anything I could afford. So we were out. So we got out. And it was really cold. And we sat out in the foyer, bags packed, all the different stuff. And we sit down in the foyer. And we're sitting there, and it's so cold. And then you were sliding doors, even if a leaf blew past, it opened the doors. And all the cold wind's coming in. And my wife does not like cold weather by any means. And so she's sitting there. And I'm waiting, and I'm okay for about an hour. And then I'm sitting there, and the wind and the cold, and I think, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? 
Why is he not here? And then I started to get up and move around. You know when you start moving around, you know there's trouble. <laughs> and I started moving around. I said, what's he doing? Where is he? Why does he not come? So we would go in there, and it's cold, so we went into that cafe, that Grand Central, the, the, there's the Grand Central Hotel there, and there's a big cafe right along the side. So we went and had a coffee. And we started getting acquainted over the days with people in there. And there's a little lady, Dorothea, who used to wait on us a lot, uh, a little uh, Jewish lady. So the people started getting used to us coming in and out. So we would go in for a coffee. Seven o'clock, we went in for a coffee. Then we came back out again. Eight o'clock, he's still not there. We went in for another coffee and came back out. Nine o'clock, he's still not there. We had another coffee. But by nine o'clock, I was ready to throw the coffee over somebody. And I'm, I'm up and I'm walking. Where is he? Why is he not here? I can't believe how inconsiderate people are. Why can they not be here? They said they'd be here. And now it's freezing cold. And what are we going to do? And how late are we going to get down there? And my wife's sitting down there, you know, all rugged up like this. And she's just watching this man of God. And then I saw the look in her face. and said, honey, honey, I'm only thinking of you. <laughs> yeah, I died time. Yeah, but it didn't work anyway. In the end, 10 o'clock came. Every hour on the hour, we went into the cafe and had another drink, another hot drink, it was so cold. 11 o'clock, still nobody there. Well, I tell you what, I wasn't doing very well. I mean, I was right on the very edge of Christian swearing. <laughs> and I was not doing well. 11.30, nobody. Just on a quarter to 12, midnight, we went back in, and I'm not doing well, not doing well. And I went back in because what happened is, during the time the doors were opening and closing, the berry fell out of my mouth and went down the street. <laughs> I, I, I just lost my berry. <laughs> Have you ever lost your berry? <laughs> it's a better way than saying you lost your head. Anyhow, but we went in. And I sat down in a little booth. We sat down. Dorothea comes. She stands there. She pulls out her notebook, pencil ready. She says, so what can I get you now? And I exploded. I said, tell me this. How hard is it to write down coffee? Don't tell me you can't remember how to write down coffee. How many times have we been in tonight, and surely you don't need a notebook and a pencil to write it down. Do you think we're going to have a three-course meal at midnight? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, that's the preacher that's talking to you now. Hmm. My wife's looking at me, not impressed at all, because I think that she was, <laughs> the blessing was that she hated the cold so much, I think she froze over. But the thing was, she, she wasn't saying much anyway. And then Dorothea walks away. She's not gone a meter. She comes back and she says, by the way, she says, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. So I tried to talk all the way around it. Tell her this, tell her that, tell her something else. No, I really want to know what you do. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. So I looked at her and I said, I'm a preacher. <laughs> and she threw back her head and she started to laugh and laugh and laugh. And she says, you look nothing like a preacher. So I did this. Does that look more like a preacher? 
and she took off. Then she comes back again. She says, if you really are a preacher, give me a word from God. I'll give you a word, but it won't be from God. whipped around and took off. And you know what? Could you believe this? The Holy Spirit hits me. My hair's starting to grow back. <laughs> well, he's spoken through an ass before. <laughs> so I guess he could do it again. And I, I assisted my wife. I said, hey, oh, oh, starting to get strong. Honey, you know they have napkins over there, you know, and, and, and the big napkins. And so I says, I pull a napkin off the thing, and I said, have you got a pen, love? And you sure know any woman has anything and everything she needs in a bag. And so she pulls out the pen, and I get, pull out the pen, and I start writing. And the Holy Spirit starts inspiring. Now, I, I, was, I knew that it must have been the words of a little song I'd heard many, many years before, many years before, but I'd never known the thing or how to quote the thing properly, but it hit me, and I did it. And I started writing like one thing, you know? He didn't bring me this far to leave me. He didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. He didn't build his home in me to move away. He didn't lift me up to let me down. And then God gave me a verse of scripture, and I wrote that down. She came back, and I looked at her all so confident now. I said, Dorothea, I got a word from God. <laughs> yes? And I reached it to her. She stood at the end of the booth, she read, he didn't bring me this far to leave me. He didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. He didn't build his home in me to move away. And that's about as far as she got and started to cry and cry and cry and cry. And then she went in behind her, pulled back her little apron, went in behind her apron into a little pocket. And she pulled out a little piece of paper and she handed it to me. And it was exactly the same verse of scripture that I had written on the serviette. Do you know? That's incredible. And she just started to cry and cry. And then she pulled out. It's five minutes to midnight. She started at 12 o'clock in the day. She did a 12-hour shift, and she finished at midnight. And she started to tell me some stuff that was horrific that I don't intend to go into now with you. But she had said to the Lord, if you don't do something, she said, because she, I don't know if she's Christian. She was Jewish. And she had said this. She got down at her shift when she went to start it. And she prayed in her little flat. And she said, if there is a God in Israel, if there's a God in Israel, if you don't meet me and change my life before midnight tonight, I'm out, I'm checking out. It's over. And it's five minutes to midnight. You know, someone has said this. God is never late, but he's missed a lot of glorious opportunities of coming early. And she's crying. Then, uh, of course, my hair's grown long now. I could take the gates of the city. Uh, I'm ready to go now. And we're up, and my wife and I are up, and our arms are around her. No matter who many is in the cafe, we're praying and praying and praying and praying. And we're going on. And then I spied the, the manageress coming down, and the manageress. And I said, Dorothea, Dorothea, the manageress is coming. She says, I don't care who's coming. The God of Israel has come. She's bawling. This lady comes up, puts her arms around all of us, and here's what she said. 
I'm not a Christian, but I know God's doing something right now. Incredible. Incredible. God met her. Now, I did not know so much, but from those circumstances, like I'm saying, the hits we get, they teach us so much. They're not wasted. They work for us, to us. But I'll tell you what, I learned two things from that. Number one, my carnality, my flesh, my situation did not disqualify me from his presence. I need you to know that this morning. Whatever was going on in our life, you know, a lot of times we think, well, God couldn't reach me now because I'm a mess, because I failed, because I haven't got this right, because I haven't done that right. Can I just say something to you this morning? Nothing disqualifies you from his presence this morning. Nothing disqualifies you from coming. Amen? The second thing I know is that God knows where you live. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. He knows your suffering. He knows everything about you. And he hasn't left you. And he hasn't forsaken you. And I'm here this morning to be his spokesman, to tell you in the circumstances of my own life, I have found out that our God never fails. Our God is on the job. And this morning, may I just say to you, as we close this thing, and I, I know I must be over time, but you've been so gracious to listening to me. But the fact is, this morning, I just want you to leave with a berry in your mouth that God is in all and through all and to all. And because of him, all things exist. Nothing you do disqualifies him. He knows your pain. He knows your email address. He knows your Facebook page. He knows everything that's going on. And he hears the deepest cry of your heart. And he's there working it together for good. Not the way you think it'll work, but the way that he knows it'll work. Amen. Let me tell you just something this morning in closing in what we have just said. Wherever the Holy Spirit wanted to change this message for you this morning, may I just say to you this morning, he didn't bring you this far to leave you. He didn't teach you to swim to let you drown. He didn't build his home in you to move away. He didn't lift you up to let you down. God bless you. Thank you so much. Praise God. Can we all stand just for a moment? God is good, isn't he? Amazing. How'd you get home? Oh, that's another big story. I'll start again. Uh, you'll, you'll be back. Praise God. Nothing disqualifies you from the presence of God. Isn't that releasing? Some of the stuff this week, it's transformative in the way that you look at Jesus. Nothing we can do, nothing we can earn. Uh, the greatest hope of glory is Christ in me. And then Ray said this week, and the only hope that glory can come out of me is through Jesus. Hey, with every eye closed this morning, I, I want to close uh, the meeting and just asking if there's anybody here today that you might not know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. You see, to me, the, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is simply, I'm not perfect and that's who I am. But because God loved us so much that He sent His Son to the cross, that He would take on my sin, all the things that I've done wrong, so that I didn't have to pay the price for them. But the Bible says this, that because He was raised from the dead, overcoming sin and shame, it says that if we believe in Him, 
we turn from our sin and we ask Him to forgive us, says that we are in right standing with God, which means we can never be disqualified from His presence because of Jesus. So with every eye closed in this place today, the question that I want to ask is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And if there's anybody here this morning by chance that you're unsure or you don't, I would love to pray with you. So with every eye closed in this place, if you want a relationship with Jesus, with every eye closed, would you just give me a wave just quickly so that I could see you? Is there anybody here today? Hallelujah. Awesome. For everybody else that is here, I just want to pray this this morning that we would get an understanding that it's all about Jesus. We walk by faith and not by sight because of Jesus. We enter the throne room boldly because of Jesus. We take the good with the bad and we can move forward because of Jesus. This morning, I thank You for the message. I thank You for the Word. But Lord, let us walk out these doors knowing that no matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, we've already overcome every situation because we have You, Jesus. And we can have rest in Your authority. We have strength that comes from You. That despite ourself, You still love us. Lord, I pray that that blessing would flow into every person's heart and life as they leave this place today. You are our message of hope. You are the message of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And because you've set us free, we are free indeed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Can we give God glory for the word this morning? Praise God. Come on, let's give Him honour and glory. Amen. Amen. So just want to encourage you now to go and sign up for a connect group. Stay around, have a coffee, connect with one another. Have a look around, see if there's anybody not here today and call them and encourage them this week. Make sure that they're okay. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.